He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This, this is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome aboard. We got a great show lined up for you today. We got uh, a very famous person in studio with us right now, uh, Patrick Register, who is uh, I've known since he was twelve years old. Twelve, maybe yes. eleven. <laughs> it could have been eleven. Uh, I'll, he, I'll go for either one <laughs> right now. He is a longtime Memphis musician, a saxophone player, but he plays everything else too. He sings. Um, he is, uh, I've known him since he used to play with MVP at Captain Bilbo's back in the late seventies, early eighties. Eighties, Yeah. And, uh, that was like going to mini Las Vegas in those days. Uh, Captain Bilbo's was the place to go and the entertainment there was fabulous. And then I've kept up with you ever since for years. You played at Hope Presbyterian. Yes, I did. And you played for another church now. Where are you now? Yeah, I'm at Fellowship Memphis now. It's uh, it's a smaller church. I have two uh, campuses, one in Harding Academy and one where I'm at in Germantown at the St. George's Elementary School Chapel there. So it's really nice. Good music, a very, uh, a very diverse uh, congregation and leadership, and it's it's really fun. Well, uh, we always enjoyed you at Hope. Uh, uh, then uh, saw you most recently at the Live at the Garden announcement when they yes. rolled out this year's. So, uh, I'm sitting there listening to you sing Al Green. I'm going, if I could do that, if I could, <laughs> if I could sing anywhere close to Al Green, I would be on the corner of Third oh, and Beale, Third and Beale, with man. a tambourine, <laughs> with a hat. <laughs> You really are. You're an incredible. Have you always? And did it just come naturally to you? It pretty much came naturally to me. I, I I've seen pictures of me in my um, parents' photo albums. You know, standing by a piano when I was just barely able to stand, little <laughs> little baby piano. You know, and then from there I had little keyboards and stuff. I pay, played little keyboards, but my brother um, actually started in music officially before I did. He started playing trombone in the uh, elementary school at fifth grade, and then they they knew I had already, you know, been playing around on toy instruments and little instruments. So by the time it was fifth grade for me, they were like, my father went to the uh, band director at the school and said, what do you think he should play? And the band director says, well, I'm a saxophonist. Give him a saxophone. <laughs> So he gave me a saxophone, and, and the rest was history. It just felt natural, you know. I just because uh, I'm not a musician and I can't sing and I can't dance, so it's like totally. It's like watching somebody do quantum mathematics. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't get mathematics yeah. anywhere near me. But you know, <laughs> but my son and my daughter both play. They said uh-huh. it has a lot to do with math. It does actually. And yeah. uh, so there again, I was screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if it only had spelling involved, it'd be even worse. Right. But it, it is. Uh, I think. But you got to have an audience. I'm a great audience, and I'm very appreciative. Yes. I think most people are appreciative audiences are are golden to us definitely i mean that's what keeps you going yeah especially yeah, the early 100%. years you don't make any money so what the only thing it does is having people go good you're great Cause, yeah because <laughs> you can't eat it <laughs> right exactly uh you albums you put out in the past uh voodoo village funk shop uh and was the voodoo village named after the memphis voodoo village it was it was a lot of people don't know about that i happen yes. to know about that we um 
Well, we were, you know, we had this band together. It was a band that came from a band that came from a band. And um, we started out as a band called Come In Berlin. Sure. I remember. Yeah. Coming, and um, used to play. What was the place right across from the old Zinnies? Uh, um, it was called. Oh, it was a Mexican uh, Ma- Ma- restaurant. Yeah. Mac Edwards had it. for it was, Right. Yeah. And the, uh, there was Madison Bar and Grill. Yeah. I think we I think it actually started there yep. and then moved uh, to the corner there across from um, the French Quarter at the yep. time, which is yep. Overton Square now. All yep. that's. Oh yeah, torn changed down. And, and gone. But we uh, kind of morphed out of that group into a contemporary jazz group, and uh, that's where uh, the uh, Voodoo Village came to be. And we're knocking around, you know, uh, band titles is, is the worst thing to try to come up with. And somebody just threw Voodoo Village out of nowhere, and we're like, <laughs> "That's it." Kind of like the way that <laughs> sounds, you know. Um, so we we stuck with it and. You know, there is a story behind the Voodoo Village but um, in Memphis, but really didn't have anything more than that. To it do. was a place over in South Memphis uh, for years, and teenagers especially would drive by there at night. Yeah, you know, it was legendary, yeah, right? you get out of your car and go, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And, jump the car. and, and I, we had heard about it when I first got here. I was at Channel 3, and yeah. we went out there and did a piece on it, and we interviewed the people who lived out there, and they yeah. said, yeah, the kids, they like to come out here. They like to get scared, and we like to scare them. So uh, every, <laughs> works everybody, everybody works out. It's a win-win. Uh, and then you play all, everywhere. I mean, you're at uh, the, uh, the uh, Judy McLean party every mm-hmm. year that she That's and right. her husband give, and uh, see you at that. Uh, uh, but now you've got a new venture, the Justice Brothers. Yes. And you're getting ready to go on Sirius Radio. Yes, we're on as we speak. We're on um, – we just did a – two-week exclusive with uh, Sirius, which was really um, surprising to me and great. You know, they've never done like an exclusive. So we gave them a two-week exclusive to um, to drop the single with Wendy Moten. And um, it's the it's the new album. That's the first album there. Uh, we don't have the uh, actual CD or any, any press release. Except it's all for, in thin air. Yeah, <laughs> it's all out there in the ether. <laughs> But, you can uh, download it. You just can't hold it in your hand. <laughs> exactly. It is on uh, all the downloading streaming services called The Way It Is, featuring Wendy Moden. And um, I had the idea to do this song about a year and a half ago. I was just sitting in a restaurant, and it's the Bruce Hornsby song. It talks sure. about um, you know social change and things like that. And and I just I thought, God, that would be a great song to redo in our way. And um, and then Wendy was uh, doing some stuff with the voice, and she's got a lot of th- things going on. So I sent her a message. I said, "Would you be interested in in guest vocaling on our uh, new album?" And she was like, "Absolutely." She's and, great. Yeah. How how is her wrist and everything? when she fell on the voice. She really got hurt. She's much better. Um, but I don't know if she's completely healed. Well, you know, when I last talked to her, he she hasn't. It's not the same as it was before. Yeah. So, I hope she's um, she's well, going to come to a full healing. Super talented and, and continued to perform even even though she was hurt. That's yeah, what, what she you call was her a really trooper. trooper. Yeah, uh, serious trooper. Uh, what was it like working for Sirius? I mean, did you guys did you have to go to Nashville, Chicago? No, it um it's all been kind of um, studio through, produced. Yeah, studio produced through um. Through Johnny Phillips, Select a Hit. Sure. Great friend of mine. I love the guy. He's been involved in just about every record that I've done in Memphis. Um, he, As a matter of fact, he just got the brass note 
on down Beale. on Beale wow. for Selecto hits. So they've been a huge part of my music career, recording wise in Memphis, and and uh, and he still brings the family out to Vila Castriati to see me every once in a while. And, yeah, let's talk it. about that too. Now, are you still going to the one uh, on Trinity, or do you, are you at the do one out? At, uh, I'm, at, I'm at both actually. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to keep my home base, my 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 Cordova fans and Germantown fans uh, and, and Carryville fans satisfied in um they're in trinity commons but i'm also doing a couple fridays a month in arlington in arlington yeah. you know to kind of establish a different thing out there so well villa castrati if you've never been there is probably one of the best italian restaurants you will ever eat in it is fabulous and, and then to, to have patrick uh, there playing you you feel like you've gone someplace else <laughs> am i right it's so true yeah. i mean they the the family is Albanian family yep. that moved to New York City, and they had a um, Italian restaurant in in Manhattan for I think the better part of a decade before uh, one of their kids came to the University of Memphis and they decided to come down to Memphis and open up down here, and it's just it's it's mom and pop Italian. It is, and it really and is. You said, "Where's the Italian family that uh, runs this?" It's, we're from Albania. <laughs> we don't care where you're from. <laughs> no, for sure. They, they, the food is great. It's probably one of the best pizzas in town as well. And uh, Oh, their pizzas. Is, is Adam still there? Is he still? Adam and Julie have retired. I, I knew that they were probably close to it. I did when I used to yeah. eat my favorite restaurant. I featured them and got to eat them uh-huh. back in those They're days. They're so cool. They are, yeah. they are great. It, it, that, is, that restaurant has the most family atmosphere I've ever been involved yeah. in. Because not just uh, Adam and Julie and, and their kids are involved, but um, another family, um, the Pullins, Aaron Pullin, Nick Pullin. Is Nick the uh, bartender? Nick is the bartender See, He's now. legendary. I, I hear uh, Aaron, Aaron now owns it. Oh, okay, really? He's, he has partners, and he, he has a partnership that owns all the Villa Castriani's. He, he bought them from Adam and Julie so they could retire, and he kept everything the same. He's kept the name the same. And it's just been flourishing. He, he's really taken the ball and run with it. It's well, fantastic. I, I hear the bar experience is great. Go in it there is. and have a cocktail, but then don't leave until you eat. Yeah. Because people go, are you crazy? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the perks of working there. I do get to eat. So. Well, got not to eat too much. <laughs> right. Eat while you're standing up so you stay, stay thin. Uh, and all your stuff, you just go Patrick Register online and you yeah, can find Patrick everything. Yeah, Patrick Register Facebook, Pat Register Music dot com is probably that's my website um probably the best place to get you know update information and and, and go to villa castriati this uh, friday or saturday night you'll be there um villa castriati on wednesdays Wednesday. and fridays okay thursday nights um i'll be typically i'm at bb king's oh great with a band called the memphis royals great band great bunch of young musicians they're awesome we have a good time blues uh soul rock Big variety, um, and then if I'm, you know, not there, I'm Be someplace doing concerts all over the place. <laughs> well, you're you're a Memphis treasure, and you're a good friend. And thank uh, you. Congratulations on your success. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely, we'll have you back. In fact, I'd like to have you bring some of your guys in. You guys, uh, oh, yeah, perform. For sure. um, Definitely, we'll just do a couple of tunes. In fact, we got one as we go out and play a little bit of music on our way back out. Did you were you able to find just a little bit? Great. We'll do that on the way out. Patrick Register. Thank awesome. you, brother. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. That's just the way it is. No, don't you believe it. 
And that's a little bit of Pat Register there. And uh, as you said, you can catch him at uh, Villa Castriotti on Wednesday and Friday nights. And uh, he really is everywhere, but uh, a super talent. And uh, it was a great honor having him come in and spend a little time with us. We'll have him back. I'd like to have some members of his band, Voodoo Village. Well, actually, they're the Justice Brother now, but they used to be Voodoo Village, uh, which I love the name of that. Uh, I did want to talk to you about a little bit of traffic. Uh, we've got uh, traffic on I-55 and and uh, on both bridges, the I-40 bridge, the Hernando de Soto, um, the Harahan Bridge. It has uh, been stacked up all afternoon. They weren't quite sure what it was. If some guy had gotten out of his car, crawled under the bridge, they thought they might have had a jumper, so they shut down traffic on both bridges. And now we've got, as it always happens, we've got some wrecks on both bridges on I-40. Uh, I-40 eastbound on the Hernando de Soto Bridge. Uh, that was reported at just about 3 o'clock. And then over on the old uh, I-55 bridge uh, at Broadway and uh, Boulevard Exit 338. Uh, so you got that going for you. And then just the, the backup, which is about 21 minutes in some places on both bridges. Uh, otherwise, uh, there's uh, no real problems. Even Germantown Parkway is moving pretty pretty smoothly. Uh, then also, I wanted to talk about Buster's Liquor. I don't know if you saw any of the video in the news. It got hit last night. This is the second time, maybe the third time they've been hit. Uh, I talked to Josh Hammond. Uh, he and his brother run it, uh, run Buster's, and he was um, not in town when this happened. And uh, but I talked to him uh, with his family. He's traveling, and he said that when he got hit back in August, he was number forty-five, the forty-fifth liquor store in Memphis to be hit. Uh, last night's uh, new version it put him up over the hundredth liquor store to be broken into that way with a truck or a car used to bash through the windows. Um, and uh, just just the inconvenience is one thing, but the uh, cost of it, the, the, those big picture windows, thousands of dollars, um, and they are putting those in, in bunk embankment things, those that come up out of the grounds, the pylons. I don't know what you call them, but they use their they it. it at a lot of stores, they're having to put them in just because this is getting to be so prevalent. Um, as you can imagine, he's fed up with it, just like the rest of us are about the crime in Memphis. And until they start, and they caught three of these guys uh, last night, and they're probably already out on bail. And uh, and the same thing with the, the people that uh, they caught a bunch of them that broke into the store before, but then they're back out. They're probably the same people that broke in before. And if you look at the video, it was very well rehearsed. It looked like a water ballet, the way they all drove in together, backed up, parked, and then hit the store. Then they all got out of their cars, go in and grab the, the booze they want. They knew exactly where they were going, too. They all walked to specific areas. And they just got to do something about this. Uh, putting an um, a ankle bracelet on them, telling them to be a good good guy, don't work. And until they start getting tough with this, uh, it's just going to be uh, even even more of a problem out there. And so... It's, uh, you know, uh, just everybody's just fed up with it. And then I saw today where there's, um, I forget who, it, so, some, a couple of states down are suing car manufacturers like Kia and Infinity because they're saying they're not making their cars safe enough to stop people from stealing them. And uh, that, uh, I don't know what they do. Uh, the, the manufacturers all say they, they can't do anything about it. And that they, there's no fix for their ignition system, which you can come in and if you've got a keyless entry, 
You can they can reprogram your car with a something they can buy off the internet. There are things you can do, and it's highly recommended you get one of those uh, clubs that not just on the steering wheel, but that extends down to the brake pedal too. And that means you can't even push the brake pedal in to start the car because what they're doing is they're breaking the steering column to get into hot wired, but they can't get the 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 club off the steering wheel. There was another car that was stolen. I had that on the news this morning too, um, and they drove it a couple of feet, but they couldn't turn it, so they just had to abandon. But they did break out the window. It cracked the steering column on the car, and so, you know, thousands of dollars worth of damage for a car that wasn't even stolen. The other thing is uh, they have these tracker devices. You can hide somewhere on the car. At least you may be able to find the remnants of your car. Uh, the other thing is uh, I saw a kid, a, a 10- or 12-year-old kid took his mother's car, uh, or a car that was a relative. He was driving someplace to see his mother, and the police finally chased him down. The reason they got that car stopped was the kill switch. If you have OnStar on a vehicle, they can actually kill it remotely uh, when you're driving down the road. And fortunately, they did that before this kid got either killed or, or killed somebody else. Uh, but it's just, it is just a crazy world out there. And, uh, you know, we've all got to do whatever we can to, to stop it. I know that the biggest thing going right now is when somebody says, you want to go downtown or midtown, they go, whose car? Ain't taking mine. <laughs> the, who's the, the short straw loses, and uh, you take their car. Uh, but uh, I think people are paying more and more attention. More and more people, you're seeing stuff up on um, neighbors of people and warning people about it, uh, and people looking out for each other, looking out for neighbors. See something suspicious, uh, do something about it. Call the police. I had uh, talked to somebody yesterday and said they had a. Some people move into their neighborhood, and they, they all these cars are showing up over there. I said, call the police on them. I said, you keep calling the police. And I used to tell this to other people in bad neighborhoods. They'd have uh, people suspected of coming in and starting crack houses. I said, just keep calling the police. You don't have to give them your name. They you can say, I live on the street. I don't want to give my name because I'm afraid of retaliation. But start calling the police. They'll show up. They'll rouse them. And sooner or later, the people that are committing all this heinous stuff, We'll get tired of being rousted, and they'll find another neighborhood where people don't bother them so much. <clears throat> but if you sit back and just take it, they'll continue to give it to you, I can promise you. But um, Josh Hammond said they are going to take precautionary measures. I mean, you can tell they got great cameras because they had that on the news. You could see these guys very, very clearly. But so they catch them, and so they don't do anything with them. They don't send them away. That's got to be the next step. And so uh, write your state senators and uh, – and say, well, you know, we got to do something to start blocking these people up. And if our district attorney here in Memphis does not do it, then we need to appeal to the governor and say we need to get somebody in here that will put these people away. And if it's the judges that are letting them go, then we got to uh, do something about the judges. This is not a safe community. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we got uh, Vicki Gandy is going to be here, and uh, we're also going to be talking uh, about mortgages. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, in studio with me now is uh, Vicki Gandy with Team Gandy, Cry Like, and Andrew O'Fee, who's with the Crump Mortgage Company. And as we constantly try to do, keep you updated on all the different markets, the housing market, probably one of the most important markets uh, to us, uh, to everybody in the community, because it affects everything. I don't think people realize 
that uh, housing market is a huge indicator economically for the entire nation, if not the world. And um, and I was uh, just listening to, to Vicky and Andrew talking right before we went on that the the, the the volume is really pretty good right now. It has gotten really good. It's it's so much easier. You know, for a while there, it was like, well, here's the one house I can show you today, and and because everything else has gone under, you know, gone under contract. So, uh, but it, what's interesting is, you know, people are saying houses are staying on the market a little longer, which is kind of good for some. And of course, the seller's not as happy, but where ha- that happens, and then also um, it gives people a chance to go through and actually think, like okay, I'd like to go home and sleep on this. And you actually have an opportunity to do that because we didn't have that. No, before it was a bid situation and you had to stand there and it was like, I was like uh, the stock market. Was like, oh, give me five, five, <laughs> give me the 10, get 10. And uh, it was really crazy. And I'm, I'm, have you heard from some of those people that ended up having to, to buy like twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 over list? I have, uh, and I have a few that are necessarily going well. I think we're going to wait. And, and that's one of the things, and Andy's here, and I know Andy wants to talk about this too, but we're saying don't wait. Don't wait. I mean, don't wait to buy. You know, selling, you know, I don't think you really should wait to sell either because people are like, well, you know, one thing is like, oh, well, we'll wait till the rates drop down. Well, when the rates drop down, then the houses are going to start selling like instantaneously. And back where yeah, we were. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. And I actually was thinking that it would be bad if rates dropped. I know people don't want to hear that, but it would actually cause more It's still nowhere a near 17%, which is what it was well, back yeah, then. Yeah, and that, that's a good argument to make. I think you can say that, but remember, those houses that were at 17% were priced at $100,000, $200,000. Yeah. Now they're five, six, seven, which is your kind of your average priced home in some of the affluent areas now. But what we talk about now is that mortgage rates continue to rise. And despite that move, I was telling Vicky before, we're still starting to see some heavy demand because people, I think, are succumbing to the fact that, hey, I'm going to have to deal with a high interest rate. And the goofy saying that we use is you date the rate and you marry the house. (laughs) So there will be an economic cycle where those people that are getting into a home right now with a higher interest rate scenario, they'll be able to refinance their home. I don't know what that timeline is, but it's going to happen. And like I said, if you can get into a house now, the biggest thing that people are missing is home price appreciation. Mm-hmm. Nationally, a lot of the big reports that are out from Black Knight to Zillow are all calling for anywhere between 4 to 6% annualized home price appreciation. So if you do the math on a half, half million dollar home, that's $20,000 appreciation that you're throwing out the window if you decide to wait yeah. in hopes that prices come down as well as mortgage rates. Well, but and at the same time, while you're waiting for prices to come back down, the price of everything else is going up. I mean, with, with inflation, you go to the grocery store. So what you want to do is find the house that you want. And, uh, and that's not easy to do either because uh, there aren't that many houses out there. And so when they do come up, people are buying them. So the biggest hurdle that <laughs> realtors have right now in this industry, and I'm going to do a video on it today, is a seller won't sell their home because they're in at a historically low mortgage rate. Would you agree that's a problem? Absolutely. So the conversation that you have to have when you're speaking to a potential seller is, well, the first thing I would ask them is, do you have any debt that you might want to consolidate with all of the equity that you currently have in your home? Consolidate that debt. And I can almost guarantee you that you would lower your monthly debt load by doing that. And then moving into the next dream house if that you want. Yeah. Or even so, break even. I mean, think about it. getting rid of that debt 
and the, you know debt you get rid of, and if you break, break even with the same note, that would be I mean that'd be ideal. Right, but, credit you know. card debt right now in the United States is almost at a trillion dollars. And it's well, and, 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 right. and people are hovering right at default for a lot of people because mm-hmm. they're living off their credit cards right now. Mm-hmm. And if you can use that equity to re- reduce your debt, which it's, it's going up, if your credit cards are tied to the interest rates, of course, you're maybe paying eighteen, twenty, twenty-five percent. Get that off your credit. Uh, you don't want to take it all your credit cards away because you want some debt out there, right? But uh, uh, you 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 want to get rid of the the really costly debt, and and then that shows up on your credit as good as well. But use your your equity. That's that's your money. Right. That's right. And people, if you sit back and you wait, you know, I'm not saying the home prices are going to come down anytime soon. But again, what you mentioned about inflation, things are getting costlier to purchase. Well, homes are going to start to can get, they're going to go back up again, especially if we start to see rates come back down. Well, and I also know that uh, I was talking to somebody that was starting the uh, starting a home, building a home. And what they when they first started looking and, and getting the architectural plans and to what the start day was, how much it went up in price because everything is more expensive now. Oh, I have seen I have I have seen several clients that have started building and then they've had builders if they didn't have a really good sound contract and that's one of the things that people don't think about bringing a realtor in when you're building. I'm a builder expert. I'm a new building expert. I've gone through all the training and you get a, a concrete contract because if not, these builders go, well, uh, sorry, you're going to owe me another $40,000, you know. But, but I understand that's what's happening now is the mm-hmm. builders are saying we've got to have a contingency clause yeah, because materials are going up so much. We have no control over that, and we're not going to eat that part of the house that went well, up. Some of them have to. I, I had one really? that just – well, it's been a while. It's been about a year now, but I had one that I did, and it they they weren't happy. But did you give them some taco sauce? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Builder was not happy, but we, you know, most of them won't allow us to write our, our contracts. Like, I, we try to come in with our contract, a cryolite contract, instead of the builder's contract, and we'll go in and say, well, here, you know, we'll, that's how I submit it every time. Now, sometimes they'll come back and go, well, you got to use ours, and I'll, but we do a lot of scratching out and doing a lot of changes. Of course, but there yeah. again, we talk about this all the time, is experience does count. Yeah, it, it does, does count. matter, and if you go out and find a builder, it, they're they're going to look out for their best interest, of course. And as a as a real estate representative, your client it, that's your best interest is looking out for them. And please, everyone, when you go out to look at new build and you see this real estate agent sitting in the chair, she will not represent you. That's she works the for the builder, mm-hmm. and he pays her a minimal amount, whatever they get their agreement. She's not going to represent. And I've had so not so many, but numerous people call me and go, "Well, I got I got in with this deal." <laughs> And now I got to figure out how to get out of it. And, you know, and this person doesn't represent me. And I didn't realize that. And I'm thinking, and they don't really have to tell you. Explain it to them like this. Would you use the same lawyer to divorce you and your wife? <laughs> or do you want to use her That's lawyer? That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to use her lawyer because their lawyer is not looking out for your best interest. It's, oh, I'll take care of both of y'all. Sure you will. We'll take care of all your money, Mr. Farrell. Thank you very much. Uh, no. And as far as uh, is in shopping around for mortgages, a lot of people think that that if you go with somebody, how much how important is it to, to have somebody local like uh, Crump? You guys have been here since Crump. Right. Um, well, so it's important. Agents for the longest time have uh, believed that having boots on the ground to represent your buyer is so important. Oh, yeah. And I get that. Uh, I, starting in 09, whenever I had, if there was a problem that came up, even before the process, 
I had a red phone I could pick up and I could call directly to an underwriter and get an answer quickly. The file stays right here in Cordova Mm -hmm. where it gets underwritten. Mm -hmm. So the power that that has for someone, especially when they're writing an offer with our name on the letter that goes with the pre-approval, it carries a lot of weight because we know a lot of the agents. I do. And one of my little tricks is I always call the listing agent just to give them the update and the status as much as I can legally on the financial ability of that new buyer. And when they hear my name and they see that, it carries a lot of weight because then they go back to the seller and like, hey, their financing is secure. Yeah. Let's put difference. this offer. Go to he's, the top, he's, done right? it, he's doing it with me right, right? now. There's so, no doubt. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, the other thing too is when you, 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 know, you have this person go, well, I want to go with, you know, Rocket Mortgage or whoever. And, you know, their underwriters are in like another country or somewhere, you know, and you can't, you can't even, you know, you call them and say, well, can you talk to somebody in underwriting? Oh, no. Oh, never. You know, where these guys can, they can pick up the phone and talk to them if there's a problem. You know, and then, I mean, I have had to go to some lender's offices and set my little happy butt down and say, <laughs> I'm not leaving until we get this worked out. Well, and it works. And that's why I, I don't I, like it. I like to be able to know yeah. I can go see the person I'm dealing with. Yeah. And absolutely. Uh, I've, I've always found that worked in collections. <laughs> that if you if you go see people that, that they pay, yeah, they see your face. It's like, oh, go, he's here. We meet here. <laughs> I mean, he's here. <laughs> well, I had one that got mad at me one time. He said, "You come down to my office." I said, "Just watch me," and I did. And he was like, I, and, he, and then he realized who I was. Like, I'm sorry. I thought you were somebody else. I'm like, well, yeah. too late. I'm yeah. here. <laughs> no, I'm the one you don't want to see. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, you want to get how to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. My uh, my cell phone is nine zero one two three seven three five two six. Crumpmortgage.com is our main website. I am called the Yankee Closer, so I have a website, yankeecloser.com. Got a lot of fun things on there for you to check out, testimonials, my loan application, some history, uh, some good pictures, and that's, a, that's the best way to go about getting in touch with me. And he's the only Yankee I yeah. work with. Yeah, okay? well, we're very selective about the Yankees we talk to. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I, the H. Crump is probably rolling over in his grave. Like <laughs> he's I got that Yankee time. closer. No, because you're successful. He likes successful that's, that's people. True. That's true. He's, yeah. he's will overlook a lot of things if you're good. <laughs> he is. He's very good. And Vicki, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, GoTeamGandy.com. That's our app. I mean, our uh, webpage and then um, my number is 901-412-2691 all right uh, give them a call they know what they're doing and just call them up ask questions uh, that is probably the the one thing that you'll i've found is that when people answer your questions before you have any kind of a, a relationship with them that tells you a lot about who they are and that they know what they're talking about the people that said uh, well are you a client yet or have you signed an agreement with me don't do business with them. So just trust <laughs> no, me on them. No, no. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back. And welcome back on this uh, lovely day. Uh, I do remind you the traffic, uh, especially on the eastbound lanes of I-55 and I-40 uh, over in West Memphis, are still a mess. Uh, there are two wrecks, one on each bridge, uh, one right in the middle of the river on I-40 eastbound. Although they just got a, it just turned into a, an orange instead of a red. It is red back around Broadway. Uh, and then I-55, uh, it's getting better too. Uh, then there's, a, we got another wreck, uh, that's, uh, Thomas Street at, uh, Whitney Avenue. Uh, that's on I-51 headed up to Millington and, and it's in both lanes. So each direction they get wrecks right there. So everything else looks pretty good. 
going in all directions. And so uh, just I would avoid the river because even if uh, the, the westbound lanes are open, uh, you got the gawkers. Could they all slow down to look and see what was going on? Uh, <clears throat> in fact, I was just looking at some T-Dot pictures of it. Over there. It looks hot, too. There's nothing worse than being sitting out there. In fact, I wish got a, uh, my wife got a call from a friend that got stuck in West Memphis, and they said, heck, let's just go to that Mexican re- restaurant right there off of I-40 and get a margarita. <laughs> so that's what they're doing. See, that's, that's usually your head. The only, if only they just have one. That's the important thing there. Uh, but uh, then we were talking earlier about uh, Buster's being hit again last night, a liquor store. Over 100 liquor stores have now been uh, broken into and, and looted by uh, these folks that uh, just take uh, steel cars and they ram it through the windows, take everything. I tell you, another business that's really been hit hard are those those stores that sell video games. Uh, in fact, they they trade them too. Do you know what the name of that is? It's kind of it's like uh, new releases or. There's a place called Game Exchange. Game Exchange. That's exactly yeah. what. There's a number of over on Winchester. And uh, they get hit all the time, which tells you right there, those are kids. Those are getting that guys my age going to look for some cheap games, you know. <laughs> At least you could bet on that. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's it, being in business now is, is a lot more difficult than it ever has been before. Before, you had to deal with market prices and things like that. But the crime has never been like it is now. And then that store that... that uh, was it Lulu Ellen or something like that? Uh, it's a, a mainly a ladies store. They sell those uh, yoga pants. And the, it was in Atlanta, and they stopped them. Uh, some women tried to stop some guys from stealing stuff, and they yelled at them and told them to stop it. And they both got fired. I, I do not know what's going on with the world right now. I really don't. All I know is that uh, back in, in the uh, Gunsmoke days, Matt Dillon would have never stood for it. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Um and this just breaking, feds inform Trump he is likely to be indicted. I think everybody's been kind of waiting for this, and he knew it was probably going to happen. Uh, he said that it's likely to be indicted as a DOG rebuffs prosecutorial misconduct claim. In other words, Trump people were saying that the, the prosecutor was uh, had misbehaved. Federal prosecutors have notified Donald Trump that he is a criminal target. Nice. Uh, and likely to be indicted imminently in a probe into the alleged uh, classified documents. This is the stuff that they picked up at his Key Largo place, uh, which is he has every right to do it. And you know what? They don't even care whether this is going to stick or that they'll convict him. All they care about is that he's going to be indicted, and they get to say he's indicted. Um, Even the Justice Department declined to delay charges to give time to investigate Allegations of witness tampering submitted by the former presidential legal team, according to multiple people in Wednesday's familiar with the case. The sources directly familiar with the case told Just the News that the DOJ declined to delay the planned indictment of Trump uh, to investigate allegations that a senior prosecutor working in the case tried to influence key witnesses by discussing a federal judgeship with the witness lawyer. Witnesses lawyer. I mean, it, it is absolutely unconscionable what they are doing. The DOJ is so much in the tank for anybody who's a Democrat that all the news media is in the tank. And they came out with all this stuff the other day on uh, Joe Biden's uh, alleged uh, 
bribery of $5 million to affect policy when he was vice president. And they've had this thing buried at the FBI for a couple of years now. And uh, they finally break it and say, yeah, it's a legitimate thing. The whistleblower is legitimate. It's legitimate. And uh, we're going to start the investigation. Not one network even said a word about it. Not CBS, NBC, ABC, and certainly not The View, my uh, favorite show. So allegations is still pending in a secret case before the U.S. Chief U.S. District Judge James F. Balsberg, the jurist who oversees the federal court in Washington, D.C., and the grand juries that convene in that courthouse. It is, they're just so, it just, uh, I get so angry sometimes I just sit there and go, yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to take a break. I'll cool down. We'll tell you what else is going on. Stay with us. We'll be back. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back, uh... Do want to make you aware that uh, the I fifty five coming in uh, across the new bridge eastbound, along with I fifty five coming across the old bridge, uh, the Harahan Bridge, are both uh, slow this afternoon. Not as bad as it was. Uh, it is moving, uh, but at a kind of a crawl. And there was an accident on the eastbound lane in I forty and the eastbound lane of I fifty five to make things even worse. And then we got another wreck at. Um, Where's the, the, the 101 connector south of I-40, and then across from that, the 101 connector uh, south of uh, I-40 uh, Wat, uh, Watkins Street. Then on I-51, or not I-51, just uh, 51 going toward Millington, um, they've got uh, Thomas Street uh, at Whitney Avenue. Uh, both directions, there's accidents there. And it looks like, uh, Oak Haven Road, uh, Reddick Street, right here near the station, there's another accident. But other than that, it's okay. Uh, just uh, that bridge thing has been a real mess. Uh, at one point, there was a motorcycle wreck <clears throat> early this morning. I think somebody got killed at that. And then uh, this afternoon, there was uh, somebody that was seen getting out of their car or walking on uh, a foot uh, path on the side of the new bridge. And they, then they couldn't find him. I don't know if this person was, they thought he jumped into the river. They're trying to prevent that. So they shut down traffic in, on all the bridges, both directions. And so it's been a, a real mess there all afternoon. I do want to mention the fact that if you're listening in your car right now, uh, AM or on our 107.9, you can pick up our app for free on our, uh, go, just go to kwam.com. Download the app, and you can hear it clear as a bell anywhere you are. Just put it on your phone. If you've got Bluetooth in your car, you'll be able to hear it crystal clear wherever you go, and then it's on your phone. If you go in and you're sitting, sitting in a doctor's office or wait and take it with you. Also, uh, check out my podcast, which is also available at kwam.com. And, uh, dot com. and 
everywhere podcasts are available so you can catch up on shows that you may have missed and uh so it's all out there for you all you gotta do is grab it and you got it um the uh fog situation is actually smog uh smoke all along the east coast is really bad you heard uh jim miller in our last newscast talking about it but as bad as the new york city air quality was uh today uh, and this morning, all three of New York City's airports were operating normally, but as the skies darkened, that has now changed. By early afternoon, the FAA ordered ground stops at LaGuardia Airport, Queens, and Newark Liberty International Airport in New Jersey, with New York City-bound flights also being held on the ground at their airport of origin. The FAA sent out messages saying Boston to New York metro area to Philadelphia and the D.C. metro area are all experiencing some smoke. It's all coming out of wildfires in Canada. There's a low pressure system on the east coast of uh, Canada. It's just circling it uh, counterclockwise straight down into the east coast. I know Kathy and I were out visiting some of our good friends uh, in Park City, Utah, uh, a couple of years ago. And they were having these forest fires out in the northwest. And it was hundreds, if not thousands of miles from where we were. And you couldn't see the mountain ranges right across from us. So if you're planning a trip to New York and you want to go see the big buildings, <laughs> you you ain't going to be seeing no big buildings because it is socked in. i tell you what it reminded me of when I was looking at pictures earlier this afternoon. In fact, here's a picture of the Washington, um, George Washington Bridge. It lives the way smog used to be in Dallas. It made the sky just orange. And early in the morning, late in the afternoon, it, everything was just orange. It was It was just horrible. And... You, know, you can say what you want to about uh, safe air and all, but it has improved dramatically since the 70s. And uh, so <clears throat> RFK Jr.'s rising profile triggers uh, dim jitters. I'm telling you, the more I listen to RFK Jr., the more I like this guy. And that was some trepidation because they said he's uh, not a Second Amendment fan. But then I heard him in a speech yesterday saying, that he is uh, a stringent uh, constitutionalist, which means uh, the Second Amendment is in the Constitution, and if he's a strict interpreter of the Constitution, then he's not against uh, the Second Amendment, uh, the right to bear and, and uh, have guns. But said Democrats are getting, and this is another reason I like it, concerned that Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s profile is rising just as President Biden embarks on a challenging campaign to keep the White House out of Republican control. Kennedy and an anti-vaccine proponent who launched a primary bid against Biden this spring is doing unexpectedly well in some polls and receiving increasing media attention as a result. He has also been to a on a press tour this week that included a Twitter spaces discussion with Elon Musk and digital town hall with journalist Michael Sommerkonish, Smirkonish. Uh, Democrats widely consider Kennedy to be a problematic fringe candidate who freely spreads conspiracy theories. I always like it when the Democrats don't like you. He's a conspiracy theorist. Uh, it says that, uh, but his relatively decent poll numbers, as well as his media-ready image as an heir to the famous political dynasty, has caused some to worry that he could gain steam and potentially distract from the task of re-electing Biden. Can you imagine being that in your job? Uh you sit there and go, uh, well, no, your job is to get uh, Biden reelected. And Harris is his running mate. Oh, not much of a challenge there. 
says, uh, Kid, Democrats would be foolish to mock or belittle RFK Jr. Every time we make fun of those who hold fringe positions, we lose, said Michael Caruso, a Democrat strategist and former campaign aide to Senator Bernie Sanders and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. The Democratic Party acting smug never works. No, it doesn't work for anybody. Never act smug. Kennedy has indeed stirred some uh, untapped anger within his own party. Democrats have seen him rise to double digits in several recent polls, leading to some establishment figures to acknowledge that parts of his message that may be resonating with voters. So that's kind of interesting. A recent News Fox survey placed Kennedy at 16% support among registered voters, and a CNN poll released Friday shows him with a 20% support among Democrats and Democrat-leaning respondents. Take RFK seriously, Biden, Saristo said. If you don't, we can create a strong Republican Party that beats us in 2024 like Bernie did in 2016. RFK has the potential to activate fringe anger if we mock him. Uh, I mentioned CNN just then. Uh, We were talking about the head of CNN um, just yesterday and saying that all these people at CNN said his his days were numbered. A couple of articles came out about him. Uh, Of course, everybody at CNN hates him because he came in and changed things, and they're all in the tank for the Democrats, and he's trying to make it like a real news organization again. They hated that. Well, uh, Chris Litchett, the embattled chief executive and chairman of CNN, whose brief one-year tenure of the network was stained by a series of severe missteps, will now depart the company. They got him. Code on that with Chris, and we'll be, he will be leaving CNN. David Saslab, the chief executive parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, told CNN employees at the uh, start of the network's daily editorial call on Wednesday. So you know, who would they? Who would take that job now? I think that would be the interesting thing. Who wants that job? If you come in and actually try to do a good job, they're going to fire you. If you come in and try to pick up where the rest of those idiots were, uh, that that's going to take them right down to the ground because they were they were headed into the ground as a, like a crashing airplane anyway. But he said that <clears throat> uh, they told the CNN employees at the start of the network's daily editorial call today. His departure, which came days after a devastating 15,000-word profile in the Atlantic, capped a tumultuous year at CNN, marked by layoffs, historically low ratings, and rock-bottom employee morale. Other than that, things were good. (laughs) I'm killing it! In the wake of the Atlantic article, Lick apologized to staffers Monday, telling the Global News Organization in a somber tone that he did not recognize himself when reading portions of the story, and that he was sorry for having distracted, being distracted from the newsroom's work. Uh, it's always amazing when somebody gets into power, what happens to them. If they're, if they're really good people, uh, they, they, they're the same people. Uh, but with, it happens with so many people. You get the power, and either they want to play retribution, and anybody that ever crossed them, anybody who's ever mean to them or didn't do what they thought they did, they go after them and uh, cut them loose. And, and other than that, they just they don't listen to anybody else. They think that um, they get it all figured out. But he would describe the experience as uh, tremendously humbling. <laughs> Getting fired is humbling, let me tell you. Vowed to fight like hell to win over the trust of the employees. Well, that's over with. But it became increasingly clear that Lick's tenure as the chief executive is quickly becoming to an end. 
He was not commented on his departure and did not immediately respond to request for comment. <laughs> That's always tough too when you when something like this happens and you start getting calls from the media about uh, do you want to respond? You want to really think about it because you may be angry or despondent, but you don't want to seem despondent if you are, and you don't want to come off angry if you are. But then if you don't comment at all, it looks like you're angry and despondent. <laughs> so I mean, kind of caught in a, in a tough place. Uh, Saslav said his job was never going to be easy and praised the amazing career he's had, wishing him well in his future endeavors. What future endeavors? <laughs> he just got fired from CNN. Who's going to pick him up? For a number of reasons, things didn't work out, and that's unfortunate. Uh, it's really unfortunate. Ultimately, that's on me, and I take full responsibility for that. That's this boss, this uh, Saslav. But guess what? He's still there. It's on me, but we're firing him. I love that. It's, it's always, uh, I take full responsibility, but we're firing him. Uh, in the interim, Saslav said the leadership team will be comprised of Amy Intel's Executive Vice President of Talent and Content Development, Virginia Mosley, Executive Vice President of Editorial, and Eric Sherling, Executive Vice President of U.S. Programming. David Levy, who was recently installed as Chief Operating Officer, will continue overseeing the company's commercial activities. We have great confidence in this group. I think that's what they said about him when they hired him. And we will fully support them. He said they said that, too, until a new CEO is named. <laughs> And then we pity that poor bastard. Sazlov said in an email statement to CNN staff, we are good in good hands, <clears throat> excuse me, allowing us to take the time we need to run a thoughtful and thorough search for a new leader. I wouldn't take that job. It'd be like uh, signing on as a captain of the Titanic after they hit the iceberg. So good luck to whoever decides to jump on that wagon. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back in uh, 200 uh, LGBTQ groups uh, are now demanding Target restock Pride merchandise and a release statement uh, saying that no such thing as neutrality. Uh, human rights campaign, along with uh, GLAD, Glinson and other groups, released a statement asking Target and other businesses like Anheuser-Busch to reject and speak out against anti-LGBTQ plus extremism going into Pride Month. More than 200 other progressives and LGBTQ organizations signed on to the statement, which argued that uh, showing support for their community was good for business. The organizations laid out a three-part demand that calls on Target to restock all Pride merchandise, both in stores and online, and ensure the safety of Target employees and release a statement reaffirming their commitment to the LGBTQ plus community within 24 hours. When it comes to advocating diversity, equality, and inclusion, there's no such thing as neutrality, the LGBTQ coalition said. Uh, the coalition suggested they would continue to support Target and other businesses who reject the criticism from consumers. Target and all businesses can leverage their support of the LGBTQ plus organizations to navigate this hate so that uh, together they can let uh, extremists know unequivocally that just as with the every other failed anti-LGBTQ plus campaign of the past, fear will not win, the statement reads. 
So <clears throat> uh, we'll see what uh, Target does. Uh, they also came out that Target also supports uh, another organization, a Native American organization, which is only one tribe, as I understand it. <clears throat> and they've given millions, um, maybe even hundreds of millions to them, about uh, reclaiming the original land that uh, they had at some point and that uh, they want to uh, take back the Mount Rushmore and, and not let anybody come visit Mount Rushmore. I mean, for all I know, they want to tear it, uh, destroy it. And um, But th- they're not the extremist. <laughs> anybody who wants to keep things the way it is is an extremist, which is another thing that uh, they do. It's... Uh, if you if you're talking about that this is going on, then you're a uh, a uh, you know conspiracy theorist and an extremist. But if if you want to uh, teach our little kids about uh, all kinds of sex when they're like six years old, uh, that's just you're just trying to help them. So I just think that um, little kids need to be little kids for as long as possible. I mean the the real world arrives soon enough for all of us. And uh, I just think that it's uh, the longer you can keep um, how to keep a job and worrying about the rent and, uh, you know, uh, all the rest of it, uh, the better off they are. Being a kid is a blast. You know, can I get some bubble gum? Can I eat a popsicle? What time does my show come on? That's all they should be worried about. And just being loved and uh, told you love them and that they're beautiful and and handsome and, uh, you know, uh, everything good because, uh, there's plenty bad that they're going to run into the rest of their life. And you got to start getting them ready for that. Once they start finding out about it, I mean, I'll never forget when I first came home. I got first time I ever got beat up. I came home and I said, why would they want to hurt me? <laughs> I mean, how innocent is that? Why would anybody want to hurt me? Cause there's rotten people out there, son, but you don't want to tell little kids that, that there are rotten people out there. You want them to think that everybody's like uh, their little cartoon shows. Uh, Dino Ranch is my little grandson's favorite thing. Even the dinosaurs like everybody. <laughs> and um, it should be that way. You can teach them about you know, all the different things. I, I do remember my dad telling me, he said, look, you, you're going to be surprised at this, but there are gonna be, people are not going to treat you as good as, your, good as your mom and daddy have all your life. And it's true. And I will say this unequivocally that nobody will ever love you as much as your mother does. I told that to my son and daughter. I said, no matter who you marry, no matter who you fall in love with, your mother will do, has to and continues to do more for you than uh, anybody else ever will. If you don't believe it, what do you get married? You go, my mother always put a crease in my jeans. Yeah, well, take these to your mom. Now, when she has a son, she'll put creases in his blue jeans, too. But that's that's being a mom. It's a totally different thing than being a wife. And uh, and if you live long enough, you will find that to be absolutely true. Um, also, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the uh, protesters' scuffle at a California school district uh, makes Pride Month decision. Uh, we had another school board meeting here last night in Germantown, and Kristen knew. Uh, was there and uh, gave me a call late last night, said that uh, things worked out pretty good um, and that she would be uh, coming by here today. Both of her sons are playing golf. And she and hey, think about that. I My son played golf, and just keeping up with one kid playing golf is enough, but they're probably playing on two different golf courses 
Even the same one, they're not together. But um, uh, she's coming by right after the break, and we'll uh, talk about how the meeting went last night. It is imperative, though, that you make your voices known and and and, and be a participant in your child's school life. I remember Kathy and I were very, always very involved in the parents' uh, meetings, and of course, she wouldn't let me go to have them because I was I was an agitator. <laughs> you gotta be nice, Earl. We don't have to put up with this. <laughs> so she. Uh, she told me to stay home and, and watch Gunsmoke, which I was glad to do. But uh, anyway, Krista uh, will be here in a minute. We're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back. And thank you very much, and welcome back. I do want to send out a couple of birthday wishes. Uh, my good friend Steve Conley is uh, 79 years old today. Doesn't look a day over, what, 78? <laughs> you can't even reverse that and make it 97. <laughs> no, that doesn't even help him. No, he's he's nowhere near that. I'm not sure how old <laughs> he is, but uh, I've known him now ever since I moved to Memphis in 78, and uh, that was almost 50 years ago. So we know he's at least 50. <laughs> we'll just go with that. That's what, we, that's what we'll do. And Sandy Butler, uh, who's with 4 Memphis Magazine, happy birthday to you, Sandy. Good friend um, and a nice lady and dinner partner. We always go to dinner with Sandy and her boyfriend, Kathy and I do, when we go to the Orpheum. So happy birthday to you. Have a great day, both of you guys. Uh, in studio with me now is Kristen New, who uh, last night went to the Germantown uh, school board meeting, and uh, they were number one. They were they had it on a the night they thought nobody was going to show up anyway. They didn't make a, a big announcement about it. Uh, was there a lot of people there? Actually, there there were um, there were more than usual. Usually, I mean, as you know, school board meetings are pretty empty. No, they're uh, usually boring. Usually mundane, <laughs> right? Um, they are live streamed though, so uh, you can watch it online without having to go there but if you want to speak yeah you gotta be there you need to be there Mm -hmm. and one of the things they wanted to do was modify how you could speak and what you could speak about last night that's right so they used to read a statement saying that tennessee law um does not uh, give any rights to parents to speak at school board meetings but because germantown is so benevolent they would let you speak for three minutes they would read this statement that was very condescending. Uh, we called them out on that, and they stopped reading that. So that was a small victory. And what? How? Give, give me the mood of it. You said condescending. It, it was. Um, we don't have to give you this right to speak, but we're going to give you your three minutes. However, if you are uh, out of line, no, we don't like what we you're can saying. stop you at any time, okay. and we don't have to give you your whole three minutes. It's like when my parents told me. It's not very welcoming. It's like my parents used to tell us, we don't have to do anything for you, but we do. But we do. And you should be appreciative. <laughs> right. So, so that, that, that to me just flips government on its head. That says that we control you, yeah. not the other way around. And why should they control? I mean, if we got concerns and questions, their job is to answer their those concerns. Their job is to answer. And, and their job is to listen. They don't. Their job is not necessarily to always agree. No. But their job is to listen. And they were elected to uh, to voice their opinions and say, this is what we think, and if we don't like it, we vote them out. But in the meantime, they can't decide who they want to listen to and who they don't want it to. That's part of the turf. Mm-hmm. I know when I was with the sheriff's office as a PIO, I didn't get to choose uh, what newspapers around the world called me and asked me questions. I sit there and go, and some of them I didn't like at all. Right. 
I said, okay, what you got? Mm-hmm. And I did my best to get them the information as politely and courteously as I could. So we've always felt that there's this, been this barrier between the parents and the school board, and it's been a very unhealthy relationship between the parents and the school board, and it all happened with some of the COVID mandates that came down and the things that we were seeing as parents that we became aware of that we didn't like that we brought to their attention. They always ask us, oh, we want you to come in. We want you to come to the PTA meetings and write your checks and donate all of this stuff. Oh, wait, but we we don't want you to speak at school board meetings. That's where we draw the line. So I didn't feel like that that was a very healthy relationship. So we sought to change that. And there's new Tennessee law that now says that citizens to be heard time has to be given in any meeting that um, has an agenda and action item. But what our school board took that language and they wrote in that only the agenda items are the items that you can speak about that night. So they were limiting what topics we could bring forth to them by only including the topics that they wanted to talk about on the agenda. So if there's anything that we wanted to talk about, they wouldn't put it on the agenda. And then you couldn't talk about it. And then we couldn't talk about it, which means we couldn't talk about a lot of things that we talk about. Actually, 90% of the things we talk about aren't necessarily on their agenda, but they are important to us as a parent or as a citizen or even uh, our, our kids. Our kids have come up and spoken about things to the school board as students that they yeah. thought needed to be brought to the attention of the school board. Well, and I don't know where it comes from. It goes all the way back, I know, to when I was a kid. And uh, they told me no for the first time, I guess, in the first grade. And uh, I got my notebook and I went home. <laughs> then they uh, explained to me how I can't do that. But it, it is, uh, it, it's always been the because you got teachers and, and people that run schools. And then you have parents who are the parents of the children mm-hmm. and also are the taxpayers that pay for it all. Correct. And so how it gets into this uh, situation of an adversary uh sentiment is is kind of interesting how it's gotten that way is that the schools have tried to take over the parenting responsibilities and they have crept into our lane and we didn't like that so don't make decisions for my kids health care for instance that's my lane absolutely so when they started doing that or they started Which came getting, to the covid situation yes yeah. or they started uh telling your kids how they should think what they should believe in, and who they should be allies to mm-hmm. with your last segment, with the, your last target segment. Our um, schools are telling us we should support that. We say no. We're not going to be an ally. No, and you have every right to, to be able to pick and choose what uh, is taught to your children. Certainly, as I said, uh, little kids don't need to be finding out about Why is uh, that in uh, our schools? Yeah, well, it should be. I know uh, we looked at this right before it came on. The protesters scuffle in California school district makes Pride Month decision. Said conservative groups and LBGTQ plus rights supporters protest as police try to maintain order outside the Glendale Unified School District offices in Glendale, California. Uh, They were there to, uh, well, you had some people, the parents, they were sitting there gathered in the parking lot. And many of the demonstrators who voiced their disdain for the teaching of LBGTQ plus issues in schools, or T-shirts with the slogan, leave our kids alone. Uh, the same phrase has been used by other schools across the country who have protested Pride Month activities in schools. I mean, where did they... Where do they get off thinking that that is 
acceptable to teach any child. You can have a pride uh, rally any place you want, but it should not be in school. It should not be taught to our kids. And, and it's like, they, I think their position is the younger they can get to our kids, the more they can influence It is them. about the kids. And people call us conspiracy theories for thinking that uh, the few years ago. Yeah, because they now don't... they're waking up and they're, they're understanding that they, it is about the kids. And when they're wanting to do drag shows for children, why do you need to do it for children? <laughs> and I think somebody pointed out, why not bring in strippers uh, for children, too? Is that right? Is that oh, okay? It, probably. They probably think that's fine. No, they didn't, because that's a different, whole different agenda. But So how did things turn out last night? So last night, so um, just to catch people up, so they, want, they changed the language saying that um, the policy that they were going to vote on was going to be uh, that we can speak at a citizens to be heard, but we can only speak on an actionable uh, or on an agenda item that they deemed appropriate. We went as parents. Well, first of all, we we got on the phone, and that's what you have to do. It's grassroots. You have to start getting on the phone, calling people. We've talked to the school board members. We started calling and texting them. Um, we asked parents to come up here. We came on your radio station. We went on um, Todd Starnes in the morning and asked people to call, and it worked. Uh, because they they did get a lot of feedback, and uh, they ran from that. I mean, <laughs> ran. So so that that's the playbook that we have to use. It's the same playbook we're using with. It's be involved. Light. Be involved. Make it very unpopular. Yeah. Let's start making these things very unpopular. I think that's what they've done is kind of bullied us into submission to say that if we say anything bad about it, if we're against it, we're against them. We're not, you can do whatever you want with right. your life, but, we're, we're but you're not doing to our children things that we don't want our children to be yeah, involved those with. Children are mine. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And somehow they tried to hijack our children started in what was it, North Carolina uh, and then in Texas at, uh, at uh, South Lake uh, school district. Mm-hmm. They voted all those people out. And this past year, they made it a lot of the, the those, uh, and I call them radicals, I think they are, mm-hmm. trying to get back in the door, and they completely blocked them and said, no, you're not coming back. Oh, it, it, Loudoun County is another school district that's had severe problems with their school board. Williamson County here in Tennessee is another district that the school board completely takes over and tells the parents that you don't have, you, you have to check your rights at that school door. Yeah. That your rights yeah. stop there. The United States ends at the school door. Yes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. And uh, and, and so that, we made that message loud and clear last night, and and it it was great. When these people ran for, were you involved in the schools as much when these people were all running for school board? Oh yes. So did they make their positions known even then, or did they camouflage it to make it look like they just wanted to be help out the school? Um, a little bit of both. So Germantown is a little bit of a different dynamic than I think a lot of school boards. Um, we are a closer kind of knit community. So the people running for school boards are also in your social group. So they don't want to really disrupt their social group. So even if they don't agree with their school board member, if that person is in their social group, they're just going to vote for them. It's, it's more of a popularity contest mm. than it really is about um, the issues. But that is starting to change. It is. And it, it's slow. Change is slow. Well, I think a, a lot of people are waking up in a lot of different areas in this country, though, that by sitting back and not saying anything, you're acquisition. And uh, what that does is allows other people to do what they want to do. And once they get in, it's very difficult to get them out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in the meantime, you got to deal with whatever they come up with. You do. And, it, and if, you don't, if you don't put the kibosh on it right away, 
it, it creeps and it creeps. And like yeah. you said, it snowballs until the problem is so big that it, it takes almost like a coup, you know, to get to, yeah, to do anything. So you just got to be proactive. So that's what I, I come on these things. And I just ask parents to please keep an eye out on not only your school board representatives, but your local representatives, your state representatives in your name. How soon should parents start getting involved? I mean, we used to the PTA meetings where the kids were in, in grade school. It but, doesn't even have to be parents. So you're, you you're, a, tax, you're a taxpayer. You're a taxpayer. Yeah. Your property values depend on those schools. Um, your culture in your community depends on whether or not your schools are successful and thriving. You always need to be involved. And, and I know it takes time. But just look at the agenda. Read what they're going to vote on. And if something pops up like that mm. that catches your attention, start making phone calls. And I will tell you this. Numbers make a difference. I know that uh, at the sheriff's office, uh, we get a lot of calls that automatically got their attention. We're getting lots of calls on this. We're going we to address this. Right. Nobody likes lots of calls. No, the loudest voices in the room the, seem to get what they want. Absolutely. Christian New, thank you, and thank you for being um, a radical. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure I'm on a list. Several. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Well, I, I'm proud of you. All and, right. And well, thank t- you for the time. To, tell everybody else to keep up the good work. Okay. Thank All right. you. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap things up. And welcome back. Lovely afternoon. Uh, the uh, I'm, I'm taking a look at an updated look at Tennessee's basketball roster entering 23-24 season. I don't know how I get this stuff. I don't even like basketball, and all of a sudden I, I get things on basketball about the the Vols. In fact, this is a bleak time of year for me because it starts after football ends, and there's nothing. It's a vast wasteland. Until I like baseball. I mean, I'll, I'll sit and watch baseball. I think baseball is fun. And I think it's interesting. I just, basketball, it came right after football growing up, and I was still used to knocking people over. And you don't get to knock them over but a couple of times, they throw you out of the game in basketball. <laughs> in football, they, they, they you got to knock them over the right way. But if you start knocking people over in basketball, then um, it's a side narrow time very quick. Um, and then here, in fact, here's uh Here's uh, the article about the, this is in the Daily Memphian, uh, about last night's Germantown uh, meeting. Uh, it said, Germantown School Board uh, retained superintendent men's uh, comments policy. So we were just talking about that. Then this is eastbound I-40 bridge, traffic blocked off after individual climbs over edge. And we talked to you about that. Uh, and then... Uh, Attempt to sign. Oh yeah, Victory Germantown School backs down from attempt to silence parents. We were just talking about that. This is on the Daily Memphian um, and some other delightful individuals. Suspect accused of robbing grandma and grandchildren at gunpoint. You know, you just go. How much worse can it get? And then, of course, we were talking earlier about. Um, Buster's liquor being hit again. This is the second or third time they got hit back in August, which uh, at the time they were number uh, number forty eight, I think, liquor store that had been uh, robbed like in that fashion. And this early morning today's uh, break in and robbery, where there, were, I don't know, they said at least a dozen people and ten cars that pulled up at the same time. I mean, it's highly organized. 
And you would think that if uh, we could track the Taliban and uh, uh, all these other terrorist groups and in, in using cell phone technology, that we could we could find these punk kids and uh, find out when they all start talking to each other and saying we're going to meet at Buster's, we're knocking it off. Here's how we're going to do it. And if you see a bunch of kids in a parking lot with a bunch of paper license plates on their cars and with hoodies and masks on, then guess what? They're getting ready to knock off a liquor store. So go in and get them. Uh, I know a few years ago in Texas, uh, <clears throat> they were having all these 7-Eleven robberies back when they had, oh, thank heaven for 7-Eleven. But they were all getting bumped off by these uh, armed robbers. And so the sheriff's department, uh, in, I think it was in Dallas where it started, uh, they put in these uh, two-way or one-way mirrors in, to the back room. And so the sheriff's deputies would sit behind the one-way mirror. These guys would come in with their shotguns. The deputies would come out shooting. And <laughs> they took out a, a two or three, and uh, it stopped immediately. But then um, all the attorneys said that you can't do that. And then ACLU said you can't do that. And then before you know it, everybody was um, was saying that uh, – you can't do that. And so they stopped doing it. And so now, guess what? They robbed 7-Elevens again. And uh, there you are. Is this uh, is this somebody online? Yeah, let's go to Rick uh, online, too. Hey, Rick, what's going on? Hey, hey, how are you doing today? Good. What's going on? I just wanted you to know that uh, Tipton County School Board, Yeah. the procedures for somebody coming in to talk at those school board meetings, they're actually even worse. In order for you to speak at a Tipton School Board County meeting, you have to be, you have to ask the week in advance to be put on the agenda. Wow. Well, of course, you can't see what else is on the agenda until that agenda is published. And by the time that agenda is published, you can't be put on the agenda. <laughs> so it's a catch-22. So they've effectively locked out all public commentary in response to anything that comes up on the agenda. Have you? Are, are you all trying to do anything about it? I mean, uh, have you... I mean, you can't get in front of the board to talk about to, it. I've reached out. I've reached out to the local GOP. You know, we got a couple people elected, but I mean, I really think the way to solve this is not at the local level. I think it's at the state legislature. Well, it may be. I tell you what, uh, we're going to put you on hold. I want to get your number so I can call you after the show because we got to yep. wrap it up. And and let's. I want to talk more yep, to you, you about this. Okay, so hang on there, Rick. Uh, that is it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to find out what's going on with Rick and see if we can help him out. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.